Hey, what's up, Chicago? Welcome to the Community Health Focus Hour. I'm your host, Dr. Ed McDonald. You know our motto, we keep it real, we keep it honest, and we keep it thorough. So today, I hope everybody is staying safe out here. We know we're living in some crazy times, but it kind of is what it is. We've got to stay safe. So we're going to be talking about that. So today, we are going to be talking about game-changing lifestyle choices, okay? So even though we're in the middle of a pandemic, but guess what? Diabetes, still happening. High blood pressure, still happening. So we have to not only keep ourselves safe from the virus, but we have to keep ourselves safe from the other stuff out here that can cause some health problems. So that's why I have an excellent lineup of guests who are going to drop some knowledge and share some information on what we can do to stay healthy right now. So we're going to be talking about food, exercise. I also have some guests that are going to give some some testimonials. They're going to share their testimony in terms of how changing their lifestyle has helped them. So let's get into it, okay? Right now on the line, we have Joyce Brown, Ph.D. She is an author. She's a heart patient. She's a boot camper. She's out here putting in work, and she's not letting any health condition slow her down. So, Joyce, are you there? I'm here. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Thanks for coming on the show, Joyce. I, I can't wait to talk to you and get into your story, all right? Okay. We also have another amazing, outstanding guest. we got my brother, Tony Marshall. So Tony Marshall has recovered from brain surgery, so he's going to share his story, his testimony. But so we have another excellent guest, uh, Chef Brian Austin. So he is a chef. He's an advocate. He's a community health advocate. He works with the American Heart Association. He also has his own catering business, Exclusive Catering. Chef Brian, are you there? I am here. Can you hear me? Oh, I, I can hear you perfectly well. So thanks for coming Great. on the show, man. I, I've seen you on social media before. It's good to finally talk to you in person. Uh, Absolutely. Now, we also have another guest. She's going to get into the nitty-gritty, the details when it comes to physical activity. We have Coach Carol Walker. So she's the coach with results. She's a certified trainer. She's been on, on the, the show plenty of times before. But she's going to talk about what you have to do to get your body right. Okay, Coach Carol, are you there? I am here. All right. So it's good to have you on the show again. I think uh, I had you on this time maybe last year. Yes. All right. So let's really get into it, okay? So let's start with Joyce. Can you tell us your story? So I understand uh, you have a, a pacemaker. What do you think kind of led up to you getting that diagnosis that required a pacemaker? Do you think your lifestyle played a role or maybe not? Can you shed some light on that for our listeners? Okay. Well, actually, I have a defibrillator. Defibrillator. Which is, yeah, which is you know, the extra cousin of the, of the pacemaker. Right. And uh, my story is really one of family. I have a family, particularly on my father's side, who have a long history of heart disease, heart attack, you name it. That's on my father's side. Okay. The other side of the story is overwork, stress, and having the wrong doctor. Um, oh. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, and and I think that's important for people to understand. Okay. That just because someone tells you they have certification, I had an internal medicine doctor yeah. who said that his specialty was cardiology. That's not the same as having a cardiologist. And yeah. unfortunately, I, I had to learn that the hard way. So you had an internist who said his specialty was cardiology, but he was not a cardiologist. No, no. no. Hmm. 
And and I I think that's a, just that was just an important lesson as, as this story played out, because uh, with my family history of high blood pressure, I had been diagnosed with asthma. I lived a stressful life, yeah. uh, style, you know, from work, not from having a party, but yeah. just from work. And so I was beginning to get overweight. Yeah, I was beginning to be tired. Lots of things were going wrong. And because we don't have a lot of time, I went to Charleston to celebrate with some friends. On the way back from Charleston, I had an episode. Okay. Uh, which left me really shaken. The whole projectile vomiting, the whole just almost loss of consciousness. I got back home the next day, uh, called my doctor, got in. He said, I heard words. We got to make this story really short. We went on through that from about June until November when I had a crisis and ended up in the emergency room at the local hospital. And I have to say, an emergency physician saved my life. He immediately saw what was wrong, got me into a room with Lasix, began pulling all the fluid yeah. off my body. So um, he, he diagnosed you with heart failure. Yes. Brought in a new team, a new cardiologist. Yeah. Who immediately did the echo. My heart ejection fraction was 10 to 12 percent. Yeah. So we know that's sliding on a banana peel going the wrong way. So for our listeners, your ejection fraction is how much blood your heart is pumping anytime it beats. And it should be 60%, okay? Yeah. So in a normal person, it should be above 60%. So you are operating at 12%. And I do also want to touch on something you mentioned as far as the doctor saying they were a cardiologist, but they weren't really a cardiologist. So internists do you know have training in cardiology but in order to become a cardiologist or a subspecialist you have to go through a fellowship so for me i'm a gastroenterologist which means i trained in internal medicine but i sought further training to specialize in gastroenterology so i'm both board certified in both so if someone's saying they're an internist but then they say they're a cardiologist but they didn't do a cardiology fellowship that's a little wishy-washy to me so you know, yeah. I'm a gastroenterologist. I'm not going to call myself mm-hmm. a, a neurosurgeon or, a, yeah. you know, a kidney doctor. Like, I may yeah. know some things about that, but that's not what my specialty is. Yes, yes. And I and I think that was, um, that, that was a key learning for me. Unfortunately, I learned that way too late in the process. Yeah. But I, I share that so that when you go to a doctor to ask the same kinds of questions that you just gave me answers to. Got You know, that's. And unfortunately for black people, we don't always ask the follow-up question. Yeah, I mean. And because we don't ask the follow-up question, we can end up in a medical emergency. Yeah. So I, I tell everyone, and even for my own personal patients, like everything someone's saying should make sense to you. Like this whole yeah. thing that, you, you know, the doctor knows so much and you know, they're super smart and they deal with a whole bunch of complicated stuff. Like, we should be able to make this stuff make sense to people. And if it doesn't make sense, either they need to explain it or different in a different way, or it literally just doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, that's absolutely the truth. And I see it all the time. People come to my clinic and they say all these different things. I'm like, your doctor said that to you? And I'm like, that makes literally no sense whatsoever. 
But a lot of people feel like if you don't have a medical background, they can just say whatever. Um, and that's, in, in my humble opinion, those are red flags. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. So now, how did you jump into the boot camps? Well, um, I got my defibrillator in 2012. Gotcha. And, you know, they're supposed to last about eight years. So this is my year. This is my year for my for my new defibrillator. But the team that um, finally took care of me said I needed to get active. I needed to stay active. And at first that was just walking to regain yeah. my strength. Okay. That was just moving. And then um, I moved here, back here to Illinois as a caregiver for my mother, who is 95. Okay. And um, so I slowly kind of walked. I got up to about three and a half miles uh, walking in about a little over an hour. But it still wasn't enough. I, I needed more to get my heart rate up. And I had uh, two friends. Uh, who were going to the Garza Fat Loss Program, and they kept encouraging me. They kept talking about what they were doing, how they were doing it, the meal planning, the instructors, the classes. And I kept saying, I can't do burpees. I can't do burpees. My left arm is weak. I can't do that. Okay. And they kept saying, just try it. Just yeah. try it. You know, you can modify. You can, you can do more. And so... I decided to give it a try. Yeah. And um, actually, it has become really the best thing that I could do. I mean, I've toned up. I'm in shape. Yeah. Those burpees are serious. The, bur- the burpees. Those burpees are serious. They are serious. You know, mine may not look pretty, <laughs> but but I get them in. And my cardiologist is ecstatic. Yeah. He is, he is really ecstatic. Uh, and so he is he is pleased. My heart ejection fraction has finally gotten up to the 50 percent range. It had never been that high since getting the defibrillator. That's amazing. So it sounds like what you did. So a, a lot of times we prescribe cardiac rehab. Now, I did that, too. I did that. Too. Yeah. But it, it sounds like the boot camp also is a part of cardiac rehab. Now, yeah. Tony, are you there, Tony? I am here. I am here. Okay, I'm glad we got you. So, Tony, what about yourself, man? I understand you had brain surgery. What kind of led up to you having brain surgery, and what was your experience with lifestyle change? Oh, my Oh my goodness. Well, my, my experience, it was crazy. And in, in how it started out, I was working with, started out working with Coach Carroll getting Beachbody ready. Okay. Or so I so I thought. I okay. was getting beach beach body ready and preparing for the marathon. Gotcha. And I thought I had sprained my ankle. Okay. So I so I went to the doctor and they did an X ray on my ankle and when I went back to the doctor they said that they didn't see anything the matter with my ankle. Okay. And I said, No, it's that can't be because not only is my ankle getting worse, but now it seems like I'm having a problem with speech. And mm. they said, well, no way. It sounds like maybe you've had a stroke or you're having a stroke. Go down to emergency room and let them do a CAT scan of your brain. Yeah. So then I went down to emergency room and they did the, the CT of my brain. Okay. And then the neurologist came in and said, Tony, you didn't have a stroke. I'm like, I know I didn't have a stroke. I drove in, you know. He said, but we see a mass. Let us do an MRI on your brain. 
I said, okay. Then he came back and he said, Tony, we see what the problem is. We see a tumor the size of the orange. Mm-hmm. That's a big tumor in the brain. Oh, a, a tumor on the left side, which was affecting my right side, was the front. Yeah. Left side. But I was at an orthopedics place. So then this place wasn't prepared. So then they transferred me to the, another hospital, which was prepared, better equipped. So they ran the same test the next day. But this time when they ran the test, it was the size of a cantaloupe. Yeah. So um, the third day, they had to do emergency surgery. Now, normally, when you do surgery, you get an opportunity to, you know, get second and third opinions. I didn't. I wasn't afforded that. Yeah. So we did the surgery. The outcome was good. But I didn't know that I was having brain surgery. They were telling me it was a tumor. I was dumbfounded. I'm just thinking that they're going to remove a tumor. So when the doctor came in after the surgery, he said, Tony, you had brain surgery. Not only did I have brain surgery, he said, Tony, the tumor was so bad that we had to remove part of the skull. Mm-hmm. And then he said, I was like, okay, I'm processing this now. Yeah. And then he said, Tony, not only that, you won't be able, according to the books, you won't be able to walk. You won't be able to have no mobility on your right side. Yeah. For at least a year, okay. According to the book, so yeah. you know I'm now I'm in a whole different mode because I walked in three days, right? According to the book, but that wasn't the case. That wasn't my testimony. So again, starting out thinking that I was getting preparing for beast body ready, working out with Carol, it was a total different plan. Yeah, what Carol working out with Coach Carol got me prepared for what I was getting ready to go through in this. So I started out, I finished that, then I went to Ability Lab, mm-hmm. which then got me in. Within two or three weeks, I was telling the doctor, I think I could walk. They said, No, you got morning jitters. They yeah, said, no, we don't want you to have any back. I said, Well, let me just so take they, a step. They, they said morning jitters. Right. They, 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 they was thinking mentally that I wasn't ready. I said, but I know I, I know my body. I think I can take some steps. I think I could. Okay. They said, okay. Um, they were just, you know, I, I, so then from there on, I took steps. From there, I was I, I, I started walking, you know, doing this thing. And I was on an aggressive process of walking. But And I thought I was on my road. Then the doctor came back and said, Tony, we didn't get all the tumor out because it was in too dangerous of a spot area. But then I had to do radiation. Okay. I said, okay. We did that. Finished that six weeks later. Then the doctor said, Tony, we have to go back in. I had two brain surgeries all within the same year. So when did you start getting back into the exercise, and how did it help with your recovery? So I started So I started in January working with Coach Carol, but exercise started working with me. I started afterwards when we started the physical therapy. It helped mentally with me. It helped physical with me because it helped with my mobility. It helped because it started helping me with my right side, and it's still helping me. It helped me mentally, it helped me physically, and it helped me spiritually. 
Okay. I love it. I mean, it was, it was a three and one for me. So now I'm going to cut you off right there. We're going to go to break mm-hmm. and we're going to come back. I want to hear a little bit more from you and also want to have Coach Carroll jump in. Listeners, please call in. The number is, we just changed the number, 312-374-8130. All right, now, we're back at the Community Health Focus Hour. We're talking about lifestyle change, how it can affect your health, and I have... A couple of guests sharing their testimony. Listeners, please call in 312-374-8130. So, Tony, you said the exercise kind of uplifted you spiritually. What else did it do for you? Well, you you asked me how did I get in, you connect with Coach Carol. Yeah. Coach Carol, she had a motto. Her motto was the coach with results. And that's okay. what I needed. Yeah. And I challenged her on it. Okay, I needed results, and that's what I wanted, and that's what she produced for me because during that time, I needed, you know, results, and I wanted to see results, and she pushed me, okay. and she challenged me, and she wasn't scared of me, so, you know. Let, let's get let's get Coach Carol on here. Like, Coach Carol, can you give all the secrets? How do people get so, results? So it it actually brings a smile on my face when I hear Tony speak because I can recall when he first came to me in January and the name of the program in my business is The Coach with Results. So he came in saying, I want to get results because I want to get ready for my vacation and to be beach body ready. So I put a full program together for Tony. And what was funny about it is he went into it with the mindset of, I'm going to test you to see if the program works. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do everything that you say to see if I can get the results. Mm-hmm. So we went into it with that mindset. He lost a ton of weight. He really toned, shaped, defined, and came really physically fit. And he said, well, I guess your program does work. So you are the coach with results. Okay. And while we continued to work out, we didn't know that later on, a couple of months later, that he would be impacted by this uh, condition that was in his body. So as we progressed through, one day in our training session, I looked at him and I said, Tony, something seems like it's a little bit wrong with you on your right side. He said, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm like, Tony, something is a little bit off. I think you need to go to the doctor and see what's going on. So I think it was maybe a week or two later when Tony went to the doctor and discovered what was going on in his body. What what did did you notice on his right side, just so our listeners could be on the lookout? So as a personal trainer, you have a relationship with your client. You know how their body moves and you know how um, they perform. You build clients up to a certain level, and if the body begins to sway a certain way Mm -hmm. or they cannot handle a certain level of training that you have built them up to do and they begin to fall back and they're not able to do that, then you notice that something is wrong or you begin to see the body sway a little bit differently or move a little bit differently. And that's what I noticed in Tony, and it seemed like his balance was a little bit off. And I suggested that he would go and get checked out. And once he did, then that's when we realized what was going on. But for him, 
he didn't notice anything different in his body. But because of all of the months of training that we had did with him and the endurance that he built up, his body was able to withstand the rigors of the brain surgery that he had to go through. And the doctors was actually amazed with his recovery time. Mm -hmm. And his recovery time was shortened just because his body was healthy, it was built up, and it was able to withstand the surgery, which is really amazing and which is what I tell all of my clients or people who I, you know, just have conversations with is that you have to get your body ready because you never know what sickness or disease is laying dormant in the body that's waiting to come out. And if it should come out, your body is built up to a level where it can fight that trigger off. I wholeheartedly agree with that. So what advice do you have to give for people who feel like exercise is difficult right now? Um, so, you know, even even I think about my own family. I, I live in Bronzeville. I took my kids for a bike ride, and uh, we rode up to one of the parks that was uh, right on 39th Street, and it had a police barricade that you you can't not supposed to get in. And uh, my kids are like, well, well, I actually tell my kids, I'm like, well, let's go there and run on the football field. But then my kids stopped, and they're like, you know, what what happens if the police show up? And they actually didn't feel safe. And it's hard to exercise indoors, or is it hard to exercise indoors? So what advice do you have for people who are trying to exercise, especially if they live in communities where they don't even feel safe exercising? So this is actually a great time because we can really get creative at home. Exercising, whether you're at home or at the gym, is always going to be hard because you have to change your mindset to accept that I need to get my body healthy and I need to get my body ready and I need to be physically fit. Because we have the Zoom app, many personal trainers are using Zoom in order to get their clients physically fit. Okay. Now, speaking of of clients, we we have a caller on the guest line, so she she may be a future client for you. Let's let's see. Let's uh, get Mary on the line. Hi, this is Mary, and I'm so inspired by this show because I was just having a conversation on Facebook with one of my pastor friends, and he was really talking about how do we get prepared to face what we have to face. And and I wanted to have um, Coach Carol uh, to just really talk about that whole mindset because somehow people feel like, you really are not going to have to put the work in and that it's all physical and it's not mental. So I would really like for her to speak to that. So Mary, I'm glad that you brought that up because when a client comes to me, I I develop the program, the meal plan, you have access to my uh, virtual app. Once I have that in place. I really begin to work with my uh, clients in terms of their mindset. Because once we come into the understanding that we need a personal trainer or we need to get fit, you have to begin to help people to eliminate the negative thinking, the mindset that says, I don't have to do all of that. It doesn't take all of that. I really don't want to eat like that. I I like eating what I like, and I don't like those foods that's going to get me healthy. So begin to help people with transforming their mindset to understand what their triggers are, to understand the reason why they need to get healthy, and actually motivating them every single day 
helps them to change their mindset. So I'm sending out different things to my clients on a daily basis to reshape their mindset and their way of thinking, their relationship with food, their relationship with working out, and understanding the benefits and the why behind why they need to get healthy. So it's the mental toughness. The belief system that you have is what I begin to shape because if I don't work with you on that mindset level and I don't begin to shape that and re-sculpt that, you'll go back to the things that you were doing before you actually get in my program. And so my number one thing that I do is to work with your mindset and to help you to understand why you need to get healthy, stay healthy, and what that actually looks like. So focusing on the mind is the number one thing that you do in my program. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. So one of my good friends is a psychiatrist. He said the best book he ever read that helped him as a psychiatrist was a book on hostage negotiation. And what he meant by that, he meant that a lot of people are held hostage by their own beliefs. And yes. in order to free themselves and actually give them access to better health, you have to almost negotiate like you're negotiating mm-hmm. with uh, someone who's holding people hostage. You have to say, you know, like you just said, people talk about how they don't want to eat that healthy food or they want to do, don't want to do this exercise or they shouldn't have to do X, Y, and Z. The reality is we have to do all this stuff. Like none of the stuff is easy and we have to put in work if we're trying to get results. If it was easy, everybody would be beach body ready or I guess zoom body ready nowadays with the, <laughs> the pandemic going on. But, uh, you get the point. And that is so true. And then you have to help people to develop a new way of thinking. We are so accustomed to the current mindset, but we have to shape them to believe in a whole nother way to see things from a different uh, perspective and to introduce them to thought patterns that they may have not had the, uh, the ability to even know about. So sometimes it's just a matter of knowledge is power. And when you have more knowledge and more resources, then you will make better decisions because you will see the benefit ratio in changing some of the mindsets that you've had about yourself. And And some of this is just generational mindset. Yeah, those mindsets uh, definitely need to be changed. And same with knowledge. And, And speaking of generations, so the way we eat definitely has been impacted by generations and some of our dietary patterns is, has been passed down. So when we talk about, you know, diabetes runs in my family, it's not necessarily diabetes runs in your family because of genetics. It's because of uh, the lifestyle your family lives. That is the reason why a lot of people have diabetes. And some of that is, is passed on. So that gives me a good opportunity to bring in Chef Brian because you, you have to be knowledgeable about food, how to prepare food in order to be healthy. So, Chef Brian, are you there? Uh, okay, cool. I'm here. Listen, it's so funny that you said what you said about the diabetes runs in my family craze. Since I've been doing this healthy cooking and healthy lifestyle, it's a running joke that I always tell to my crowd. And it's seriously meant as a joke, but it's serious. When they say diabetes run in my family, I usually say no. It's because nobody in your family ran. It's right. the reason they have diabetes. So it's kind of a running joke that you need to try to in, uh, input exercise into all of this as well. And it was just so funny you said that. So uh, here we are, man. Here we are. What's going on? <laughs> so how did you get linked up with the uh, American Heart Association? Well, you know, uh, I had been – seriously, my background is so diverse. And I want to just send a shout-out to my girl, Carol. We are graduates of the Dunbar mm-hmm. 19 class of 1984. So I've been knowing Carol for, like, a long time. Okay. So Dunbar represent. Yeah. 
Yeah, getting back, getting back to that. So I had, uh, you know, I've been an engineer for 30 years globally, traveling the world. I've always been cooking uh, since I was in grade school. I always had a real good passion for cooking. So, you know, while I was doing all my traveling, I was studying food. I was studying culture, studying different ingredients. Came back to the States, got my culinary degree overseas, came back to the States, quit my job, started cooking for a living. So, okay. you know, I was like, oh, this is, this is my chance to really do something that I really love to do. Where'd you, go to, doing, where'd you go to culinary school? Uh, I went in, uh, over in Paris, in France, at Le Cordon Bleu. Le Cordon Bleu, okay. Big time? Yes. Yes, I'm not big time. I just had opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> so, nevertheless, as I was doing this, I happened to team up with uh, a couple of healthcare professionals uh, who wanted me to just come in and be a part of a team. So, the American Heart Association was one of those teams that reached out to me. So, that had helped me because I would have always bet against me doing what I'm doing right now to help save lives. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to think it was all about money, all about notoriety, but for me, it's all about educating, empowering, and saving lives. Seriously, and food is one way we can do that. So, I teamed up with the American Heart Association. I've been working with them for over the past eight years. Mm-hmm. And and with that partnership, I've also gained partnership with the National Kidney Foundation, the American Diabetes Association, the Michelle Obama Let's Move Initiative, which allowed me to be in the schools to teach the kids because it starts at an early age. I've learned through cooking, if you involve kids in it, nine times out of ten, they're willing to try it. Yeah. And instead of you just doing it and pushing it in their faces, you know, so that has been my story. And I stick to that wholeheartedly. Uh, and I always give people the model, we need to eat to live and not live to eat. And that's the serious model I tell people. Your body, like Coach Carol was saying, you want to try to prepare yourself. And people are always like, man, I don't have time to do that. I don't have time to do this. So I'm a spiritual man. I believe in God. I believe in faith. They're like, man, why am I going to do all that? I'm going to die anyway. God has the, the last authority over my life. But what I do tell them is exercise and your dietary lifestyle is one thing you have some control over that yeah. you can help start the pattern for. That's the one thing you have some control over. So you have to get your mind ready to do that. Now, I agree with you. Definitely. Yep. So what advice do you have to give to a lot of people who feel like with this virus going on, they just want to okay. eat comfort food because everyone's <laughs> sad and you know, eating a bag of potato chips or some cookies yep. or something yep. makes you feel better. Absolutely. And, and, and we also know that, one, a lot of people out here trying to boost their immunity and all this stuff. What advice do you have to give for people in terms of how we should be eating with everything that's going on? One of the advice that I would love to give to people is that we need to try to incorporate more fruits, vegetables, and whole grains into our diet and lean fat products like fish, uh, some poultry, and try to do that at least twice a day. So. Even if you can, I tell people a lot of times, people say, well, I can only afford the canned vegetables. And I tell people, that's fine. But what I would suggest that they do is they rinse those vegetables well and build their own stock for them because that stuff they're sitting in is not, is not flavorful. It's usually a preservative. Yeah. So if that's your only option, that's what you need to do. Or I tell people to try to uh, swap out their snacks with healthier snacks like fruit, grapes, raisins and stuff of that nature. A lot of people are like, well, I drink a lot of fruit juices. And I always tell people, my motto is, you should eat your fruit and not drink it. Because a lot of those juices contain extra sugars, and they build more sugar in them to build up that fruit. 
that fruit juice. So you should probably want to eat your orange instead of buying that carton of orange juice, you know. So, and like I said, you just need to just kind of build better habits, you know, uh, around your cooking. Uh, get the family involved. Get the kids involved. Because now that we're all inside, this is a chance for us to really see what we're doing. There's no need to hoard food if you know how to preserve it. So you buy in bulk. You go to these fresh markets. You get all of this stuff that they give you uh, handed out at these food pantries. You get that stuff, you separate it, you put them in packaging, and you freeze them. You know, because a lot of times, if you can buy and see if the things are cheaper, you get them while you can, you, you preserve them, you set them aside, and you freeze them. So with that being said, I would just like to say people really need to just pay attention to what they're putting in your body. Uh, try to eat more fruits, more whole grains, you know, more vegetables. Substitute your fruit juices with real fruit, your apple juice with an apple, your orange juice with an orange, and I think that would be a better option for you. Amen. So, Joyce, let's go back to you. I know you mentioned doing the physical activity and working with Coach Carroll, but did you also make any dietary changes after they diagnosed you with heart failure? Because a a lot of our guidelines recommend that people decrease their salt intake when they have heart heart failure. Mm -hmm. So how did you make those changes? Was Was it easy? Was it a struggle? It was never easy, but it was fundamental. Okay. I wanted to live. I, I think that was the, the important piece for me because by the time I actually got my defibrillator, it was a year from my initial illness. And I had spent five months in uh, one of those wearable defibrillators. And so I listened to everything the doctor said. Uh, I cut out the salt. I learned how to go back to eating fresh food, fresh vegetables, all of that, and cutting the portion size. Cutting the portion size wasn't bad because my stomach had shrunk by that time. I just did it. It was important. Even now, I can taste salt. If if I put too much salt in my food, I can taste it. If I go to some place and they have someone who has a heavy hand with salt, I can taste it. I learned how to use uh, blends of things so that it wasn't just salt and pepper, but really trying to look at what else was out there in terms of, of how to eat. I wanted, this is yeah. Coach Carol, I want to piggyback on this discussion. One of the things that I suggest people do during this time, because we're in the homes and under COVID and people are eating a lot of different comfort foods, is just to Sound alarm of caution with that because if you continue to eat comfort food during this entire time, when you come out of this, you're going to have some kind of medical condition that you were not aware that you were bringing upon your body. Because with all of this as additives and different things that's associated with the food that we're eating, with comfort foods, with the sugar, the salts, and all of that, we're just asking these different diseases to come upon our bodies. Another thing that I want to share is that if you're a person who have large portions of food that you eat, one of the ways that you can control that is to buy you a portion control plate. On Amazon, Mm -hmm. they have portion control plates. where you can only have a small amount of food on your plate, and that will help you to control the amount of food that you're eating. Now, in terms of when you're eating healthy, I want to eat comfort food myself, but I know that I do not have the benefit of eating comfort food because I recognize 
what that's going to do to my body. Now, speaking I of co- comfort after- food, we got a caller uh, asking specifically about that. So let me get her good question in. So, Nikki, are you there? Oh, it, 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 me, Nikki? Nikki, yes, Nikki. How you doing, Nikki? <laughs> I'm not Nikki. I'm not Nikki, but I am Vicky with a V. <laughs> oh, Vicky with a V. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah I'm, in, I'm in Florence, Alabama, and I was saying that I, you know, um, I know Dr. Joyce is speaking very well. Uh, I sit down and, and write uh, most of the time. I'm very sedentary in my, in my practices every day. But I do know about exercise, and I do know about eating the right way, and I've been very inspired by both Susan and Dr. Joyce. However, I am a compulsive overeater, meaning that I am addicted to food, and what happens is I do so well, and then I fall backwards, and I don't know if there's anybody who can speak to this, but if you if you can, please do. Okay. So what can you do about food addiction? Anybody want to jump in and try to take a shot at that question? All right, let's go with Chef Brian. I'll take a shot at it. One of the things I can say to you, if you if you eat the right kind of foods that are filling for you and it will, that will kind of process that void out of you, you'll probably get a little more satisfaction if you eat food that works with your body so that it gives you energy to do things instead of just eating comfort food, which you're usually going to get comfortable and go to sleep on it. So if you kind of try to rotate in and try to find out about the foods that are more filling for you, the grains and stuff like that, I think that would help to curb some of the appetite and those 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 desires to want to just keep eating comfort food. I love it. All right, Coach Carroll, sounds in like you want to jump in. To that, Chef, yeah, in addition to that, Chef Brian, one of the strategies that I would use along with that is to drink a glass of water before you have your meal and have a glass of water after your meal, get you a portion control plate. I also think that a lot of that is mental as well, so you need to be involved with a community, a community of like-minded people who can help coach you and motivate you in order to help you to stop eating that way. One of the things that I do in my program is I ask my clients to send me a picture of everything that they're eating for the day, and then we kind of walk through that. So with my program, it is international. I have my app. You can go to the Coach With Results uh, website and partner with me, and I can be your accountability partner to help you to get over some of that addiction. And some of it is really mental, and you really need to understand what are your triggers and what is the root cause of that's driving you towards the food. And once you become one and aware with that, then I believe you can deal with the addiction to get over it. Yeah, so I tell people the same thing. It typically takes about two weeks to get a food addiction out of your system. Uh, You should be aware of what's known as stimulus control. So a lot of times... You know, people aren't eating certain foods because they are thinking about the food. But if they're, you know, walking in the kitchen and they see some cookies sitting on the countertop, now all of a sudden they want cookies. But you weren't even thinking about cookies mm-hmm. before. So a lot of those foods that you know uh, may be holding you back from achieving some of your goals, like put them up. Don't have them sitting out in the open. I mean, it's one thing to say just don't buy them at all, but, you know, folks have family members buying food and you buy food for kids and stuff. It's complicated. But keep that stuff out of out of sight for the most part. And if it's going to be in your refrigerator, keep it in the back of your refrigerator. And also just recognize that certain foods are definitely addictive. 
so your sugary beverages, your sugary treats, and even potato chips, a lot of the stuff is engineered to be addictive because a lot of these companies want you to come back and they want you to get more. That's true, too. And I just wanted to add, and I have to start with but people need to also, not only with the portion control, we need to start learning what our food is. So start reading ingredients and learning what a portion is. That one bag of chips that you buy, that's not one portion. So you need to look on there and actually see what the portion is and read the ingredients and things that you buy. Right, because that one bag of chips may have 11 portions, but you ate the whole bag. Absolutely, absolutely. And in terms of the question you were asking about people feeling comfortable going outside to work out, because of our environment, there are so many free workouts that people are giving, personal trainers are giving on Instagram, Facebook, and all of these different places. There's many ways that you can get healthy and fit in your home. If you just want to start getting up and moving around for every hour of the day, that will really help you. Sitting down, a lot of us are working from home, so instead of me sitting down at the desk working all day, I pack a stack of books or boxes on top of my desk that force me to stand up rather than sitting down doing the work in my home. Every hour, I begin to move around at noontime. I'm putting on something and I'm doing an exercise. So these are just creative ways of how you can begin to get healthy, even though that you're in your home. You can use cans and do different various exercises. You can use your body weight. Or, like I said, you can just go on Instagram or you can partner with me and find out all kinds of strategies of how to get healthy in your home. Yeah, there's a lot of options out there. Now, do you think people need a lot of fancy equipment or not no. really? No, you don't need you don't need any equipment at all. You can use your body weight, or you can use water bottles, or you can use some uh, canned goods that you have in your home. All of those can be used to get healthy, or you just use your body weight in general. Because again, we some of us have weight that's on us that once you begin to use your body weight, it's going to feel like you have weight. Now, Chef Brian, we're going to shift gears. What advice do you have to a lot of brothers who don't want to cook because? They just feel like cooking isn't manly. (laughs) And I I, I still still hear that every now and again. And I'm a trained chef myself. That would be me. (laughs) So so let's give Tony some advice. Okay, Tony. One of the things I can say about that, and especially in today's cooking culture, cooking is sexy to women. I don't care what nobody says. A man that can cook. No, no matter what you look like, once you prepare that good meal for them and they actually see you preparing and see that passion and that love you have in it, cooking becomes some form of attraction for women. So especially today, everybody's trying to cook. So, And if you put your heart and soul into your cooking, I cook with, with passion. So it's not just me putting something on and just putting it out there. And you can taste the passion. So if you become passionate about what you cook and passionate about what you're doing, passionate about your exercise, it becomes a form of attraction. I mean, yeah, years ago when I was a, a young single man, cooking was uh, definitely part of my repertoire. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, sir. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I try to keep keep my happy, my wife happy by making some good food. Uh, hey, there you go. And it always works, don't it? <laughs> it? It definitely does. We've been married 15 years now. Congratulations. Yep. So we're, we're going to have to wrap things up. I wish we had, we could we could talk about this for two hours, three hours. But unfortunately, we got mm-hmm. time limits on things. So I want to give everybody one last opportunity to say something. Let's start with Coach Carol. Any advice for our listeners? Well, My advice for the listeners is to get up and get moving. Start moving around in your house. 
Look me up on the coachwithresults.com. You can find me there on Instagram, fit for life Carol. But get up and move around, even if it's just a matter of standing up, sitting down, standing up, sitting down to get you some good squats in. Make sure you drink in uh, some water every day, at least eight glasses of water a day. And try to eliminate at least one comfort food that you really, really love this week so you can eliminate your chances for high blood pressure and diabetes. Sounds great. Absolutely. So, Tony, any last advice for people out there? Yes, excuses. There are no time for excuses. Quitting is not an option. Listen, I had two major brain surgeries. The doctors gave me all options of saying what I couldn't do, and God didn't say that. And, look, I kept moving, and you could keep moving. Just do something. Don't just stop. So, Joyce, what about yourself? Find yourself something that stimulates you so that you're not sitting around either thinking about your illness or thinking about food. I write. I journal. I do things that take the focus off of me, and I find that that makes a bigger difference as anything that I do. So, Chef Brian. Hey, like I said, I'm going to make it short and simple. I just want to say people should live to eat and not eat to live, so vice versa. And what you need to do is watch the sugar, salt, and fat in your foods. Uh, what I always tell people when you're preparing foods, if you choose to use salt, Salt your food last. Build your layers of flavor with other herbs and salt your food. And one way to keep that heavy hand salt shaker from going is to buy the large salt and put it in a grinder like a pepper grinder. I found that people don't want to work that hard to get that salt, and they tend to not use as much. That's good advice. I want to use that, too. <laughs> so, uh, you know, for me, um, I just really want to say thanks for you guys for coming on the show and sharing all your knowledge to our listeners. Listeners, if you're out there, you can check me out on Instagram, uh, The Doc's Kitchen 4, or my website, www.thedocskitchen.com. I definitely want to get you guys back on the show or maybe even reach out so we can do some of these lives since everybody's doing this on social media now and really continue the conversation. All right, so we're going to close out right now. The Community Health Focus Hour is brought to you by the Urban Health Initiative of the University of Chicago Medicine.